another level of joy happened for us this, this week. And it started with me cleaning the toilet. First, I just want credit that I was cleaning the toilet. You know, like, I think, I think it's important to stop. Guys, you need to be out there cleaning your toilets. Amen? All right. I did it. Now, while I was cleaning the toilet, you can probably tell I don't clean the toilet often enough by my story. So I was cleaning it with a brush, and I'm going to be very honest with you. I think Angie's not in here. I'm honestly still blaming Angie for this. And it's not her fault at all, but in my heart, I'm blaming her because it helps me feel a little bit better about it. So we have the toilet brush, and how many of you know the toilet brushes that actually unwind from the little brush? I would have a question as to whoever thought that that would be a good idea to make for a toilet brush to have it disconnect from the brush. So even though I blame Angie for buying this brush, I even more blame the people that designed this brush because in my day, toilet brushes could not be broken. They're very sturdy and they cost about a dollar and you can clean the toilet well. Anyways, this, this, I, I was trying to, this very silly brush, just making sure my language is correct. Archer says I'm not allowed to say stupid. So stupid, I've removed. This very silly brush came undone as I was cleaning the toilet. And I didn't want to reach in and grab it. And so I'd spent a good five minutes trying to like, you know, with the thing, wind it back into the toilet brush, and it wasn't winding into the toilet brush, and I was getting more and more upset. And so anyways, and, and I didn't want to tell Angie about it, because I'm cleaning the toilet for once. I'm trying to help out. We've got three kids. It's a bit chaotic at our house. She doesn't need more problems. So I, re- I didn't want to reach in and grab the, the, the brush. I just didn't want to do it. So I had a very bright idea that if I was to flush the toilet, the water would go away, and I would be able to quickly grab the brush and minimize uh, contact with said toilet water. But do you know it's amazing what a toilet will suck up inside of it? I had no idea that it, that it would have the potential to actually take my brush and like, and it was quite funny. It was like one of those slow-mo moments where I'm sitting there, and it's just like, it didn't even go fast. I just watched it slowly, like... Bye-bye. You know, it just, it was gone. And so, (laughs) then I thought, well, maybe it's fine. Maybe it's just gone to where brushes are supposed to go. And I didn't really mention it to anyone else. And I just said, I'm hoping that the brush was small enough, because if it's a stupid enough little silly brush that it's going to fall off the thing, it should be small enough to flush down the toilets and go wherever that stuff goes, right? It didn't, and our toilet got plugged up. And so... But not before me trying now very hard. And see, what started with me not wanting to touch the toilet, I had like my up to my shoulder reaching in there and trying to find. And I had like trash bags tied around my arm trying to prevent me coming into contact with this gross uh, toilet. And then it just didn't work. And then, um, yes. And there's other stories, but I'm not going to share some of those stories. But then Pete was so kind and he gave me a little metal thing to try and fish it out and it just I think it probably pushed it further in we had to get a plumber to come out and the plumber came out and luckily it hadn't gone into the pipes it had just he did have to remove the entire toilet up off of its thing and he found it he offered Angie if she wanted to keep the brush she declined the offer and she um and and he took it away and disposed of it and he resealed the the toilet back up all that to say life with kids is chaotic and especially when you have a very bright husband like me, 
wanting to do the right thing. But as, as I talk about hope this morning, and I talk about anchored, being anchored by hope, and I'm going to share a verse with you right now. If you're not connected to the source, you can get sucked away by life's ebbs and flows, or maybe even down the toilet. It can be very unexpected when you're not connected to the source. What you didn't think possible could happen when you're not connected with a stronger force, when something stronger than you comes along. Our core text we'll refer to over the next few weeks is found in Hebrews 6, 18. And I'm going to start about halfway through verse 18. It is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. This morning, we're going we're gonna to be in this series, Hope, Anchored Hope. I'm not sure. Anchored Hope. I need to remember what I labeled it. Hope Anchored, Anchored Hope for three weeks. And we're going to unpack some very different things over the three weeks. But today, the, the main focus is just looking at this idea that hope is an anchor for our soul. That hope is an anchor for our soul. Hope is light after dark. Hope is summer after winter. Hope is plenty after famine, complete after empty. Hope, and this is, hope from, this is what hope was for me this summer, is there's one last juicy in the freezer when you thought they were all gone and it's summer in New Zealand in 2018. We have this sure and steadfast anchor of hope for our soul. And I know we know what a soul means, but as I always just like to go and relook at definitions just to kind of really understand what it is that I'm reading. And, and the soul, just in the word here, is, is breath. Or it's, it's your very breath of life. Your soul is the essence of who you are. It's not just your intellect. It's not just a fleeting a moment. It's the very core of who you are. An anchor for the core of who you are. The first major thing that we need to have as a truth in our lives, and this is probably oversimple for some, but I hope that it just speaks to some of you this morning, is that implicit within this verse is that there is hope for you. That might seem far too simple for you this morning, but I just want to declare over your lives that there is hope for you, that there is hope available for you. The Word of God is declaring over you today that there is hope for you. Hope is so important to us. And as such, I believe this is one of the things that the enemy will steal, if at all possible, is your hope. This morning, and this is the thing, even if we pause for just 10 seconds, can you examine your heart and see if your anchor of hope is in place? Do you bring hope this morning? Do you have hope for 2018? There are three things I just want to look at briefly, and not in the sermon, but that steal your hope. Three things. And I want you to ask yourself, have one of these things slowly taken all of your hope? Because I think one of the things about hope is that it's not something that you just wake up and decide, I don't want to have hope today. I think it's just slowly wears away, that you slowly have hope stolen. And I think these are three things that I think are, are some of those things that can steal hope. The first is from the story of Job. 
And there's not many people who've lived on this earth that have gone as low as Job has. When he's lost all of his kids, he lost all of his provisions, he lost his health. He has a, and the, what he has in reward is a scornful wife and the rebuke of his friends. He's come pretty low. And this is what he says, Job 17, verse 1. My spirit is broken. My days are extinct. The graveyard is ready for me. Surely there are mockers about me, and my eye dwells on their provocation. Verse 11, it says, My days are past, my plans are broken off, and the desires of my heart. Where then is my hope? Who will see my hope? There is a cry in Job's heart that hope is past. He says the desires of his heart are no longer going to be fulfilled, that his days are past, that his plans are broken. The first thing that I think can steal our hope is a broken spirit. Job cannot see his hope, and he's wondering if anyone else can see his hope. A broken spirit is what Job had. The second thing that steals our peace is lack of peace. In the book of Lamentations, it's a lament. It's, it's, it's describing sadness. And let's look at what it says. Lamentations 3, verse 17. The author, who some ascribes to Jeremiah, says, My soul is bereft of peace. My soul is lacking in peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. My soul is bereft of peace. My endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Lack of peace is the second thing that steals your hope. And the third is affliction. Now the word for affliction is pain. Lamentations continues in verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Pain has an effect to slowly take all hope from us. I find it so important to note that each of these scriptures talks about the direct impact that these three things, a broken spirit, lack of peace, and pain, have on your soul. It's the soul we're talking about this morning. It's on your very essence, on the very core of who you are. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. My soul is bereft of peace. My soul, my spirit is broken. There is a direct correlation with the state and well-being of your soul and these hope stealers. But look at this next verse in Lamentations because I don't want to just talk about things that steal our hope this morning. Verse 21. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. But this I call to mind. We need to lean in whatever comes next. Because I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a broken spirit, or if your peace has been stolen, or if you have experienced pain in your life, I want to know, in the middle of this lament, in the middle of this person whose soul is bowed down so low within him, how does hope enter? And it enters here in verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. There may yet be hope, it goes on to say later. 
Next week, we're going to be looking at hope not as an arbitrary concept, but hope as being inextricably connected to the very fabric of who God is, his attributes. But this morning, I just want you to hear, hear this, that his love doesn't stop, that his mercy doesn't have an end, but that every single morning, there is new hope waiting for you. Can I say it again? That there is new hope waiting for you. Be it a broken spirit, be it lack of peace, be it pain unbearable. My heart starts to sing with hope when I hear that his mercies are new every morning. That when you woke up this morning, it doesn't matter how you went to sleep because he has new mercies for you this morning. In a nation that suffers from such high suicide rates, we are a nation that needs hope. We are a city that needs hope. Spending time with young people today, you know that the thing that they need more than anything is hope. We need to be hope carriers and hope bearers. But we also need to know that his hope is available to us every day. The premise of this morning, the the, the truth that I want in your heart so deep, is that there is hope for you. Regardless if it's been stolen, there is hope for you. The word of the Lord is declaring it over you this morning that there is hope in your situation. It doesn't matter if your situation has been endless disappointment after endless disappointment because of who God is. And he says in his word, his mercies are new every morning. Though your sorrows may last for a night, joy comes in the morning. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Says the very core of who you are. Says the essence of your life. Not just your intellect or fleeting emotions, but says your soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. There may yet be hope. On this new morning, can I share the good news with you that you have hope available to you. Hope says that there is good to come. Hope says that you are the head and not the tail. Hope says you will be above and not beneath, that you are a chosen people and that you have been known and made, and made by God himself. You can declare Psalm 27, 13 on this new morning. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The thing about hope is that you don't need a lot of it for it to start doing what it needs to do, for it to change you, to change your perspective. Hope is like the sun rising. The sun doesn't have to be high in the sky to have its effect, but rather the first ray of sun on the horizon brings hope after the long, cold night. Can you allow God to alight hope in your heart this morning? Hope that there is an ability to beat that addiction. Hope for reconciliation between loved ones. Hope you will get out of debt. Hope you will walk in the fullness of what God has called you to. One of my favorite stories of all time, and I've probably read it all the way through at least five or six times, is Lord of the Rings. I love Lord of the Rings. I've read it so many times, and I just, I think it's amazing. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a wonder that I still like Lord of the Rings because I, I just, Archer and Bennett have been asking me to tell them stories. They've just been like loving the stories. And so like I always tell the story where my brother stuck uh, a knife into our dining room table and my mom burned his Pokemon cards. And just there's some really good stories that we have. There's some powerful stories. And the boys love it. And, and Bennett's like, Dad, can you tell the story where Uncle Matt got in trouble again? You know, like he just, he just likes to keep hearing it. But my, and, and the story here is my dad... Um, 
made me cry when we were reading Lord of the Rings first because there's some scary parts, and my dad's fairly dramatic, and he's a big guy, and he's, he's like, I think it was like when the black riders were about to come up to Frodo and Sam, and they didn't find him, but he's like, you know, he's just an intense guy, and I cried, and, and I still love Lord of the Rings. But one of my favorite stories is Lord of the Rings, and I just, I'm going to play just a very, very small clip from Lord of the Rings this morning, um, and, it, and it, it's between Frodo and Sam. Sam is the man. Sam is just the, he's, he's, he's the guy you want to be your friend. Um, but just to give you some context of where we are in the story, they have gone through just about every single imaginable possible obstacle. Their spirits are broken. They have no peace. They are absolutely exhausted spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. And, and Frodo begins by saying, I can't do this. We can't do this. So I just want you to, to watch this clip. We shouldn't even be here. But we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Fertile. The ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing. This shadow, even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Furno, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going. Because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? But there's some good in this world, Mr. Furl. And it's worth fighting for. powerful clip and speaks so well to what I, what I was wanting to share this morning. How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad has happened? And I think, unfortunately, sometimes the things that have, that have dictated where our hope level is, is it's because of our experience of where our life has taken us to today. That too many of us believe the lie that how could the world go back to the way that it was when so much bad has happened? 
But darkness must pass. A new day will come. I believe there are many who need to let that truth sink in that a new day will come and has come. Frodo asks Sam, what are we holding on to? Sam replies that there is good to come and it is worth fighting for. Can I tell you this morning, church, that there is good to come. In your lives, in the lives of your family, in the lives of your friends, in this city, and in this nation, there is hope and it is worth fighting for. This morning, my question to you is, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? When you lose hope, you lose your anchor and your soul drifts. The last major point of encouragement from Scripture this morning is this. And I'll just kind of repeat that verse from Hebrews. I won't go through all of it. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. To hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. The second major simple, simple truth that I think we need in our spirits this morning. The first was what? That there is hope for you. That there is hope available. The second is this, is that we need to hold fast to that hope. We need to hold fast to this hope. I was just, in, in my study, I, like I said, I like to go and look at the definition of the words because so much comes out of them. So I just looked up, what is an anchor? I know what an anchor is. I know it holds, you know, things in place. I wish I would have had a stronger anchor to my silly toilet brush. I, but, but I looked it up, and this, and this is what it says for the definition of what an anchor is. It's a device normally made of metal used to connect a vessel to the bed of a body of water to prevent the craft from drifting due to wind or current. And I just, I had this picture, and, and maybe you already have the picture, and, but this is the picture that I have. That, that hope is the anchor itself, right? That's what we've been talking about. Hope is the anchor for our soul. We are the vessel, literally, We're the vessel that carries the Holy Spirit in us. We're the boat. But the seabed, the foundation, is Jesus. And that hear this, when you lose your hope, you're losing connection to the foundation. As you lose your hope, you're losing connection to that seabed, to the foundation, and then you're able to drift with the winds and you're able to go where the currents come. So when the winds of life come and the currents of the enemy trying to steal that hope... You don't even recognize that as you've lost hope, you've lost your connection with the source, with the foundation, with Jesus. What are you holding on to? Hope literally stops us from being battered about by the winds of life and the current that the enemy would love to take us down. We have a responsibility here, though. This is not something that's done for us. The instruction to hold fast to hope doesn't say, let God give you hope and you just sit there and receive it. He will do that in abundance. But what does it say? Hold fast to hope. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pause just for a moment because I'm going to brag on my friend Kane for a moment. Uh, I had the chance of connecting with Kane. We catch up every now and then, but I caught up with him last week and we're just talking life. Life is hard sometimes. There's things that come up. And one of the things that we talked about was just looking at where do we go when, when life sucks? What do we do? What, what comes out of us there? And we talked about two things, connecting with one another and then connecting to the source, Jesus. And then shortly after that, this weekend, Cain's mom, not this weekend as in right now, but was it last weekend 
or sometime early in the week, Cain's mom had a stroke right after I'd had a chance to catch up with him. And it, it was a scary place. It was a very scary place. It's hard to find hope when you're in situations like that. But this is where I want to brag on my friend Cain just for a little bit. Because instead of going possibly in a different direction, what he did is he started reaching out to his friends here and he started reaching out to God. And so as I was able to connect with Cain and Bruce McEvitt was able to connect with Cain and I had the honor and the privilege of going to pray with Cain's mom in his hospital. And what was meant to be a three-week stay in hospital turned into a matter of days after we were able to pray for her and she had just such a, a quick recovery from the stroke and is still in progress. But I don't doubt for a second, as I was praying on my way over to pray with Cain and his mom, I had such a sense that what God was going to do something special. And watching Cain give me a call the day after we got to pray for him, he said, hey, guess what? My mom's going home. There is such hope in the darkness. But it's not hope that just happens. It's hope that we have to hold fast to. Hold fast to hope. There is a choice to be made to let go of hope, to allow pain, a broken spirit, to allow those things that steal our peace to also steal our hope. Rather, instead, we can choose to hold fast to hope, to gather our brothers and sisters in prayer and say, the Lord is my portion. What are you doing to hold on to hope this morning? Do you have people around you that are speaking hope or despair into your life? Do you, have, do you take captive those thoughts that would take you down the well of self-misery? Are you speaking hope into others' lives? Are you only speaking negativity, apathy? Is that what's coming out of you? If you find yourself with no hope, there is no better place to start in Scripture this morning than Lamentations 3, verse 22. And I'm going to read it out again. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. There may yet be hope. Can I encourage you that if you're needing some hope, that that becomes part of your daily routine when you wake up? Get that. Angie was like, I just, I usually go over the sermons with Angie before, and she's like, that one's going to find its way into my calendar so that each morning... That's what I'm reading first. That that's going to be, I want to sow that into my spirit. If you need hope, don't say it's not available because it is available for you. But you need to hold fast to hope. What are you doing to hold fast to hope? This morning, I just want to pray with you. And if you're needing hope, I just pray, if you just would lift up your hand when we pray, and we'd just like to pray over you this morning. If you close your eyes with me. If you're needing some extra hope, I just ask you, invite you to, you can stand up, put your hand up, whatever, put your heart to God because he sees. But I want to pray and declare that the word of God, I love how he starts off this passage, it is impossible for God to lie. Next week, that's what we're going to be talking about, that hope isn't in our mustered up efforts of what we want hope to be, but it's inextricably connected with the, the character and the fabric of who God is. But let's just pray for this truth to sink into our hearts this morning. Father God, I just ask that you would come in power this morning on your people. Lord, there is no darkness that is stronger than your hope. Father, right now, I pray for your rays of sunshine to pierce through even the darkest cloud in this place right now. 
Lord, we, we declare that fear has to go. We declare that doubt has to go. Lord, we speak to those broken spirits, to those people with no peace, Father God, to those people that are, that are crying out in pain. And Father, I speak hope in the middle of their circumstances that we have a sure and steadfast hope that is an anchor for our soul. Father, would you minister to every soul here, not just a surface level of who we are, the core of who we are, Jesus. Lord, I speak hope. I speak that there is hope and it's worth fighting for. Lord, would you seal in our hearts the fight to hold fast to the hope that you've given us. In your mighty name, Jesus, we surrender that to you this morning. There may yet be hope. There may yet be hope for his mercies are new every morning. Just receive his hope this morning. The thing about God is he can minister wherever you are. He so is longing to intervene with his rays of hope in your life can't believe the lie that these hope stealers have taken your hope because there is hope his word says it father we receive your hope this morning In the mighty name of jesus can you agree with me and say amen this morning amen amen we are at the end of our service my little daughter is upset She'll be okay. I just want to encourage you to be hope carriers this week. If you wake up, can you declare his mercies are new every morning? Can we be a people that carry hope to one another?